Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. John chapter number 18 from verse number 28. John chapter 18 from verse 28. I will read it here. You can look on the screen if you don't have a Bible. And if you need to look at your physical Bible, we have some at the back there for you. So John chapter 18, 28 to 38. Here we go. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Talking about Jesus now. Verse 30 says, They answered and said to him, If you were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him. You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Somebody say, My kingdom. My kingdom, Jesus said, is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from here. Keep going. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Finally, verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And this is where I got stuck. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. Pilate said to him, what is truth? But Pilate did not wait to hear the answer of the question that he asked Jesus. The Bible says, after he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. This morning I want to speak about what is truth. What is truth? Because you see, we live in a world today where there is no longer a clear distinction between good and evil. It used to be that when I was growing up, uh, there was a clear distinction between what is good and what is evil. You need to preach with me. What is good and what is? All right, God bless you. What is right and what is wrong? There used to be a clear distinction. I could, I could easily say that she is a girl and he is a... I could say that very easily some time ago, but not anymore. Not anymore because so many things have colored, you know, things these days. And you can no longer say that this is true and this is false. You can't say that anymore because everybody has their own version of truth. Everybody. Everybody does. Everybody now has my truth, 
your truth, you say your truth, and I will say my truth, and, and everybody has their own version of truth. But the problem with that concept is this. Truth, by definition, can only exist as one. As one. Can only, it reminds me of the story of the, of the pastor who went to the barber shop. You know, he wanted to preach on a Sunday morning to look sharp like me like this, you know. So, so he went to the barber shop on Saturday to get a haircut. And as he entered the barber shop, this was a very small town, all right, and there was only one barber shop there. And he saw the barber was clearly hungover, drunk. Like, you could see clearly that this guy is hungover. So like, dude, you are the only one who's going to cut our hair. Why are you hungover? I need to get a haircut. He said, don't worry, I can do it for you. He said, are you sure? Please don't, don't, don't cut me. Just make sure you do it well. So he sat down because he didn't have a choice, and he, he got the haircut. And after he was done getting the haircut, he started to look through the mirror and said, oh, look, you caught me here. Oh, ah, man, you caught me here. Oh, look at this. Ah, all because of whiskey. And then the barber looked at the pastor and said, yeah, you see, when you drink too much, your skin becomes tender. So here the barber, who was the obvious one that was drunk, was now telling his own what? His own truth. So he was telling the pastor his own version of truth. Which is that we, we can all see that you are the one who is drunk. <laughs> but you are here telling somebody else that is, is, you caught him because his skin is tender from, from alcohol. So that's what it sounds like when people say, my truth, your truth. Because in any situation, there can only be one truth. There can only be one. So that's what we want to try to do today. We want to try to find an answer to this question that Pilate asked. Because he didn't wait for the answer to the question. So let me show you a few scriptures as a background. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. And let's see what the Word of God has to say about this. Because the truth for a believer, for a Christian, for a child of God can only exist as one. As one. Romans chapter 1 verse number 18. Here's what it says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress what? The truth in unrighteousness. This is exactly what is going on in society today. A suppression of the truth because of unrighteousness. Now, if we go further down to verse number 24, jump to verse 24 for me, look at what it says. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness in the loss of their hearts to dishonor their body amongst themselves. And then he gets into some specifics now. Very uncomfortable specifics, but the truth has to be said. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 27. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the, of the women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of error which was done. The Bible said it is not me. But the truth is that in the society that we live in today, people are trying to suppress the truth because of unrighteousness, because it is uncomfortable. That's what the truth is. The truth is not always going to be comfortable. No, it's not always going to be comfortable. And our job as believers is not to make it comfortable. Because the, in an attempt to make it comfortable, it becomes diluted. When truth is diluted, it is no longer truth. Are you with me this morning? So you can't have multiple truths. Just based on the definition. Based on the word in the Bible, whenever you see the, the uh, truth in the Bible, the Greek word that is used, based on the definition of it, what it means is purity from all error or falsehood. That's what it means. Purity from all error or 
falsehood. So in any situation, they can, the two sides of the story cannot both be pure from all error or falsehood. It's not possible. So it's only one side of it that can be. Uh, because the truth, as you see it, is counterculture. And I'm going to preach a, a summer series that titled Counterculture. Very controversial. Very, very controversial. I will get cancelled for that series. You know, that's, that's the society that we live in now. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get cancelled for it. I know. That's why I'm taking my time to prepare it. <laughs> and I'm preparing it properly <laughs> for solid messages. Because you see, as a Christian, you are going to be counterculture. If you want to live as a Christian in this world, you are going to be at odds with the culture. You cannot be a believer and everybody likes you. No, that's not the way to be a Christian. You know what's funny about it is that the, the believers that we are trying to emulate from Scripture, who started this thing and handed it over to us, they were waking up every day asking, am I going to be eaten by a lion today? That was the game. But we are waking up and saying, would the liberals like me if I say I'm not for abortion? That's our own problem. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's what we're concerned about. That if I, if I tweet that, if I see something on social media that I believe in, if I retweet it, will I lose followers? That's what you're concerned about. When the people who handed the faith to you were concerned that they were going to be eaten by lions in a gymnasium, what are you going to say when you meet Paul? Who suffered all this beating <laughs> and all this shipwreck? Then you will say, I went to church. You know, one summer it was, you know, it was sunny, so I decided to go to church. That's what you're going to say. Or you say, you know that day that there was, uh, there was freezing rain. I actually went to church in freezing rain. That's what you're going to tell him. So we have to think about this thing and decide what side we want to be on. What side we want to be on. There, it, it has to be clear. There is, a, there is a side that is called truth and there is another side that is false. You know, again, I don't want to, let me know because if I, if I get, I'll get into trouble. But I don't know how anybody would, somebody said I'm on the right. Another one said I'm on the left. And you decided that you want to choose the left instead of the right. I won't say more than that. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 13 verse 8. Let's just keep going here. Because everything that we do as believers, we have to understand that it has to be based on scripture. On the word of God. What does the word of God say about this thing? Not how popular is this or how popular will it make me. How comfortable will it make me? And we'll see what we're saying here. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 8. It says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. You know, you can be in your own world and be resisting the truth. But the truth is the truth. That's why I tell my friends, I said, you, you, you're saying this thing, uh, you're, I'm telling you about Jesus, that you know, is the only way to God. The point is that you are going to die and find out that I was correct. There's no two ways about it. That's what you will find out. But the problem with that is that when you find out, it will be too late to decide. <laughs> That's the truth. So the truth is the truth. So if you, it's, it's like, again, it's like the woman, this one, true story, the Nova Scotia woman uh, living in rural Nova Scotia in one small village. The village, there are only, this was many years ago, there are only two of them in the whole community. They do their fishing. In the summer, there will be about eight because people will come to come and do vacation there. And there are only two of them. So one time, somebody came from Washington to, for a vacation in, the, in that small community. And she was talking to the, the woman that, while she was doing her fishing and everything. And she said, oh, I'm from Washington. You know, it's like Ottawa. You know, that's where the seat of power is in America. She said, oh, wow. So how many people live there? She said, about four million people. That was then. About four million people live there. And the woman said, the Nova Scotia woman said, wow, four million people living so far away from everything. So as far as she was concerned, <laughs> that place, but we all know the truth. So you can humor the woman and smile at her. <laughs> yeah, they are living far away from everything. But we know that you are the one that is living far away from everything. You know, and that's the way it is. So you can't resist the truth. The truth 
is the truth. So Pilate was charged with finding the truth in this situation, in our text that we're reading. And he was clearly confused by the religions and philosophies of the day that were all clamoring for recognition. Everybody was out there in the court shouting and, and trying to get their own voice heard. S sounds like the society we live in today, where everybody has their own thing now and you must, you must recognize me, otherwise there is a problem. And the more confused you are, the more recognition we give you. And you say, oh, you don't know who you are? Oh, you are so brave. You are so brave. That you are confused. Oh, you are so brave. And we are celebrating things that should not be celebrated. And we are quiet about it because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want people to look at us and say, all those Christians, they are extremist Christians. They are extremists. They are too extremists. But what does the scripture say? And it's either you want to be a believer or you don't want to be a believer. There's no, there's, the problem with this is this. You see, when it gets to the final and I'm going to get there in a moment here. When, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, right? This is where people will realize that there is only one truth. And, and it will be clear. It will be clear. The only, again, I repeat it, the only problem with that is that there will be no, no opportunity to repent. This is the only opportunity that we have. But the more the truth is suppressed, the less people are going to hear it. And what that means is that more and more people are going that way. Look, it's not going to get better. I'm sorry to bust your bubble. You know, you, you want me to say, oh, today is Easter. Let me preach good news. But it's good news I'm preaching. But the truth is that, you see, the way the world is going, it's not going to get better. So it's, there's not going to come a time where they will say, oh, let's reverse every law and get better. No, no, no. It's going to get, get, get worse because that's what the Bible says. That's only telling us that the coming of Jesus is getting, is getting there. It's coming closer. It's coming closer. But you have to understand that those of us, that's why he says, those of us who know what we are doing, we have to stand. We have to stand and keep your foot on the, on, firmly on the foundation of what you have believed in. Otherwise, look, we have seen our friends that we used to believe this thing together. They have, they have been shaken by every wind of everything because there are so many voices coming at people. So many voices. And even those who, who have professed the faith at one point or the other, who believe these things, because of the numerous voices, all I've come to do this morning is to strengthen your faith. I want you to leave this place this morning understanding what truth is and holding on to it in the face of the world that you are facing out there. Because, I mean, it sounds good as I'm saying it now in church. As you are, saying, as you are listening to me, I'm like, yeah, pastor, that is beautiful. That's beautiful, but how do I face my co-workers tomorrow? <laughs> and, and, you know, the knowledge of truth does not, does not mean that you have to go about confronting everybody. But when it comes to your doorstep, you're you going to speak up. You will speak up. Yeah. So that, that's my principle. They know that I'm not going to, like I tell, I tell my friends all the time. They ask me, if I come to your church, you know, will you accept me? You are accepted. As long as you don't try to dictate what I preach, you will be celebrated. Like we, we love everybody that comes to church. Like we are, we are all about people. But you cannot, you cannot pick and choose what parts of the scripture that you preach because you want somebody to be comfortable. That's a problem. That's a problem. So I tell them, if you are, we are in, at, the, at the workplace, some of my, my, my friends at work, they don't believe half of what I believe. <laughs> you know, like their, their lifestyle completely different. But we are friends. We, we come, and I tell them, look, I'm talking to you normally because we are in the workplace. If you come to church and you sit in church and I'm preaching, what you will hear me say, you might be offended. Because now the, the Bible is being, um, um, is being spoken of as hate speech. Have you heard that? Oh, why are you sleeping? You have not heard that. That the Bible is hate speech now. You haven't heard it. That's the world. That's where we're going. So you need to understand this and prepare yourself for it that we are in a battle. We are in a, it's an uncomfortable battle, but it's a battle. And it's something that you have to understand that when you join the army of God, you are in this fight. All right, let me move to good news. I don't want to depress you too much, okay? It's resurrection money. 
<laughs> it's resurrection morning. So, Pilate did not wait for the answer to his question. He didn't wait. What did he do? He went to the people and proclaimed his own truth. So, instead of saying, he went there and said, I, I found this man, there's no fault in him. What he said sounds like truth. But there's a difference between I found no fault in him and he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you understand what we're saying here? So, Pilate went to the people and washed his hand. All he was concerned about is, I have to look good to the people. And too many believers are concerned about that today. That I have to look good to the. I cannot say anything that makes me sound like I'm not... No, I have to maintain, my every, I have to maintain everything. Look, uh, look, let me tell you, like this, I'm, I'm preaching counterculture uh, little by little now. But let me just let you know that do you know that this council culture of a thing is a preamble for the Antichrist? Do you know that? Because what the Antichrist will do is to say, if you don't have the sign, you cannot trade. That's council culture. That because of what you said, please don't buy anything from him again. Close his, his store. Don't, all the endorsement that he has, remove it. That is what they are doing. <laughs> That's the prep. So please, guys, you have to understand that this is what we are in and this is a fight. So he went to the people, proclaimed his own truth, but the real truth of the situation, he avoided it. Just like many millions of, of people today, rather than proclaiming the truth of the word of God, they are proclaiming their own truth of what they speak. Okay, so let's answer Pilate's question. That's what we are here to do today. Are you with me so far? You might not like me, but you will like me later. I promise you, you will. All right? I'm preaching fire this morning because that's how I, that's how I feel it in my belly. So let's answer Pilate's question. What is truth? What is truth? Number one, the truth is a person. That's the first thing that you must understand. The truth is what? Is a person. John chapter 14, verse 6. John chapter number 14, verse 6. Look at what it says. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bold claim. This is a bold claim. And this is the problem that many people have with Jesus. They, look, they don't, they, people are not upset when you say Jesus was a, an historical figure or he was a prophet. Nobody cares about that. That's fine. But when you say Jesus is the only way, like, no, now. You can't say that Jesus is the only way. How can you say he's the only way? I mean, there's so many religions in the world. But the truth is, this is what he said. And there is no other figure in history that was able to make this claim. Nobody else. No, nobody else was able to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the book of John, we see seven things that Jesus said that he was. And here you need to pay attention. I'm going to go dive a little bit deep here, okay? Just stay with me. Now, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd, the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the true vine. And then this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'll go over them again in case of those of you that are taking notes. He said, I'm the bread of life, the door of the sheep, good shepherd, light of the world, resurrection, and the life, true vine. That's number six. Number seven, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, that's, the reason why there are seven things, and I'm sure if you came to church on Wednesday, you already know about the number seven. So the, the last one that he said is one, even though it sounds like three. That's what I want to explain. So please stay here with me, okay? I don't like to do this on Sunday morning, but sometimes you have to. <laughs> so I'm going to dive in a little bit. Just stay awake. Now, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Those three things are one thing. Just like when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's also one thing. Why is it one thing? You see, our English Bible, which is why I don't like King James. Some people like preaching with King James. It's the same people that use Android phone that like King James. The same people. 
So they will preach with King James. But I don't like King James. <laughs> the reason is this. Let me tell you the reason. You see, when the Bible, you see, I couldn't avoid it. You know I can't avoid it. I have to put it there. So when the Bible, in the, in the King James Bible, when they use the word and, not all the time, but most times when they use the word and, there is a word in the Greek that sounds like a word in my mother tongue. It's K-A-I. But it's not Yoruba. Please, all of you that are Yoruba, it's not Yoruba. It's Kai, but it's not the way we say it in my mother tongue. That's the, the way I remember it. That word means and, but it also means that is. Many times when you see and in the New Testament, that's the word that is used. So when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, what he actually said is, I am the resurrection that is the life. Yeah, you are awake. So the same way when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it is King James that removed the and, because it would have read, I am the way and the truth and the life. But we don't speak English like that. So they removed it to make us understand it. But he lost the meaning. What Jesus was saying here is this. I am the way. That is the truth. That is the life. We can say it in another way in our own English. Please stay with me. Don't, if I lose you, I've lost you. We can say it in another way and say it like this and say, I am the way. That is the truth. And that is the life. Did you catch that? That's what he was saying. That's exactly what he was saying. So, it's just like the concept of the Trinity. If you say I'm the way, you are saying I'm the way, I'm the life. If you say I'm the truth, then you're saying I'm the way. So that's what he was telling them, that everything that you can find that gives access to God is embodied in me. That's why the Bible calls him the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Say amen to this. Amen. Glory to God. So the truth is a person. His name is what? Don't be afraid to say the name. What is his name, please? Jesus. He's the one who died and rose to life again on the third day. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Let's see it in the Bible. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, nothing was made that was made. If you jump to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. So this is where he's speaking about Jesus. And dwelt amongst us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. I wanted to echo that, full of grace and truth. So he is the embodiment of truth. If you go to verse 14, same chapter, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and what? Truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus alone is able to provide access to God because he alone paid the penalty for sin. He alone was qualified to pay the penalty for sin, and he alone did it. So he alone has the claim to the title of truth. So when you say truth, you have to understand that what you are referring to is not just a concept or an idea, but it is a person, and his name is what? God bless you. Isaiah 53 and verse 5. Let's establish this. Jesus was the only one that could pay the price. He says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. New Testament, Hebrews 1.3. It says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and beholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hallelujah. 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 I caught you there. 
Point number two, let's keep going. What is the truth? Number two, what is the truth? The truth is the word. We have said the truth is the person. Number two, the truth is the word. Now we are, to, we are referring to the word in the written word now. John chapter 17, verse 17. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You cannot call it truth if it is not based on the word. That's what we're saying. So if you, before you can call anything truth, uh, it has to be based on the word of God. It has to be something that has a foundation on the word of God. This is our worldview. This is how we live our lives. It doesn't matter how unpopular it becomes. This is how we live our lives. Can you say that with me? It doesn't matter how unpopular it becomes. I live my life by the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 160. It says, The entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. So he's speaking about the entirety of the word. The Old and the New Testament is truth. The entirety of the word. Now, again, let me, let me again, I mean, you, you, you survived the last one, so I'm going to dive in here a little bit, okay? Is it okay? Can we do that? All right. You, you did well, that one. That one was very good. You caught it. So let's look at that scripture again. Let me show you something here. And I've, show, I've told you this before. When you see the word in italics in the scripture, that word was not there in the original, all right? They put it there to help us understand it. So let's read that thing without the is in that sentence. It says, the entirety of your word, truth. So what the scripture says is that the word, the word of God as you look at it, huh? it's what it's saying. The entirety of your word, truth. Just like saying, my wife, Dorcas. Do you understand that? That's what he's saying. So the word is literally referred to as truth. That's another name. It's like a nickname for the word. It's truth. So anything you want to refer to as truth, it has to be based on the word. And it is the entirety of the word. The entirety. Joshua 1.8. We, we know the scripture a, a lot and we quote it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 where it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Do you know what he was referring to when this was written? This scripture was written at the point when the only scripture that was available was the first five books of the Bible. So when he says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, he was saying Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all. There was no New Testament. So if you, when you now start saying that the Old Testament is obsolete and we should do away with it, you are in error. That's why you are in error. Because every scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, let me show you another one in the New Testament now. 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 15 to 17. Look, he says, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. True faith which is in Christ Jesus. What do you think he was referring to? The Old Testament. I just told you. <laughs> because at the time when this was, was being spoken, it was still being the scriptures. The scriptures have not been written. The New Testament has not been written. So when he says, you have known the Holy Scripture, he was talking about the Old Testament, which is able to make you wise. The next one, you know this next one, verse 16. He says, all... What is he referring to as all Scripture? God bless you. That's what he was referring to. So when you, when you look at the Bible and you now say, oh, all I want is, I'm a New Testament believer. All this Old Testament, all this Nate uh, begat Nate and Nate begat, I, I, don't, I don't begat anything. I'm a New Testament believer. And you just stay there. Uh, and some people quote that scripture wrongly, rightly dividing the word of truth. I will teach that one day. They quote it. It's upside down teaching that they quote. So they say, I'm just a New Testament believer. New Testament. I've taught you before that the, this book huh, is one book written by one author, but with different writers. Do you understand this? 
It is a book written by one author. The author is the Holy Spirit. He just used different writers to put it together. So, so this is what we say, and I have taught you this before. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament... Ah, you are awake. I love this church. I love it. This is how I love to preach. You are alive. I love it. That is, and you have to understand that. Have that at the back of your mind. You can write it somewhere. So don't, don't uh, be a, a twisted Christian that you are leaning towards one side more than you are to the other side. You know, you just, all oh, you and some, there are some prophets of doom. All they read is Old Testament. If only thing you are reading is Old Testament, you will just be prophesying doom. And darkness shall come upon the land. It's not me and you. So you have to balance it up with the New Testament. Uh -huh. When you read something in the Old Testament, you read something in the New, you read Psalms, you read Proverbs. Balance it. If you are married, read Songs of Solomon. I won't say more. Only the married people laugh because they cut that one. They don't understand. So we cannot pick and choose, all right? That's very important. The word, however the word of God defines it, is how we define it. If the word calls it truth, that is what truth is. If the word says one man, one woman, that is what we call truth. If the word says no sex before or outside of marriage, that is what we call... Okay, now I'm, I'm offending you now. Am I offending you? I will go there. I will go there. It doesn't matter how many people are living together in your block that are not married. I'm saying as a believer, as, because everybody has excuse for everything now, and there are legal terms <laughs> that allow you to be able to do certain things. But I'm saying as a believer, whatever the word of God says is truth, is what we do what we call truth. So we don't, we don't, we don't miss any lies. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Romans chapter 3 verse 4. For what if some did not believe? Will their own belief make the faithfulness of God without effect? No, it can't. He says, certainly not. Indeed, let God be true. But every man, a liar. It doesn't matter how many they are. It doesn't matter. And interestingly, I never have noticed, but the LGBT is there. Let God be true. Is there? I won't say more than that. I'll just keep my mouth shut. So everything will pass away. Everything will pass away. Every, look, the Bible says, look, let me, let me just explain it to you like this. You might look at the world today and say, but it looks like, you know, the, the, some of these things are gaining more popularity. Yes, they will. They will even gain more popularity. But the Bible says that let the elect, the elect, let them stand. Let them stand. Because the truth is this. The Bible declares that this earth that we are on will be rolled away like a carpet. Rolled away. With the global warming and everything, rolled away. You know, because me, I, now I, I don't collect plastic again. No. I don't say I'm the one that is destroying the earth. But I know, as I'm studying the Bible, I understand that you know, it is, and again, you know, these things are uncomfortable. I, I know that they are uncomfortable. But the, the truth has to be the truth. And we have to establish it. Now, the Bible speaks of this, that a time is going to come, that every knee will bow, and every single tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Look, forget what you are seeing today. I'm telling you that day is coming, <laughs> that every what? Every single knee will bow. Every knee. Every knee. And every tongue will have to confess that Jesus is Lord. And it will be to the glory of God the Father. Yeah. So God is just in heaven, just looking at everything. And saying, Don't worry about them. Don't worry. The day is coming. The day is coming. That every knee will bow and every tongue will have to confess. So we have said again that when we talk about the word, uh, the written word, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives life to the written word. So I want to, I want to emphasize that John chapter 14, verse 16 to 17. So this is not the word in isolation, but with the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, 17, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. What did he call him? The spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. 
This is the reason why the world cannot receive truth. Look at the next line. Whom the world cannot receive. Listen to me. And I'm, and I'm saying this in love. Please, don't. My passion can make it sound like I'm being very harsh with what I'm, I'm doing. But that's, I'm passionate. When I talk, this is how I talk. But I want you to understand the, the, the heart behind what I'm saying. That you see, if you are listening to me this morning and you are saying to yourself that... All this, what he's saying is just, I, I don't know, you might be watching online, don't be saying, what is he talking about? This is the problem. This right here is the problem. It speaks about the fact that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men, that they cannot see the truth. So when you see the word of God, the truth of God's word, and something inside you is resisting it, you have to understand that it's not, it's not your intellect that is doing that resistance. It's not. There's something else that is causing that problem. So it says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. That's why as a child of God, when you hear truth from the word, something leaps inside your heart. It's because of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the simple explanation for it. But the, the, the effect that it has on the world is a, is a contrary effect. So there is a resistance because of that. You have to understand that this is the fight that you are in. This is the fight. It's not, it's not a natural thing. It's not an intellectual thing. And I've had a lot of my friends have this conversation with me. And say, oh, no, I'm just too intellectual to be religious. I don't know. I'm not I'm too religious. I'm just too intellectual to be religious. And I, and I show them that scripture. Say, he's the God of this world. See, this is what you're saying, eh? This thing that you're saying. It's not your brain, no. He's the what? The God of this world. He's the one. Let's wrap it up. Point number three. Point number three, what, what is the truth? The truth makes free. The truth may hurt, but it will make you free. Yeah, the truth usually hurts. It's not, it's not uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you this won't know what you came to church for Easter today. You just wanted to hear about the resurrection story, but the truth, sometimes it hurts. So let me, let me, let me tone it down a little bit with this story, okay? So that you'll not be angry with me before you go home. Okay, I want you to come back. So, let me tell you this story. My pastor used to say this story to us when, when we were in Nigeria uh, about a time when the church was, was just starting to grow. And people used to come, like first-time guests, which used to be about 30 people, right? So they, they decided to introduce something else to the welcome package for the first-time guests, right? So they started putting flash drives. That was the time when flash drives had just become a thing, when it was a big deal. So they introduced flash drives, and they would put his message series into a flash drive, some of you don't know the concept of having audio on your audio files anymore. There was a time when music, you would download it and have the file on your phone. It's not all this Spotify rubbish that we are doing now. You know, you can actually have the song, okay? And as you have messages like that. So you would put the messages on the flash drive and put it in the welcome pack. All of a sudden, they saw that the, the first time guests started jumping from 30 to 70 to 80. Honest. And first of all, they thought, ah, God is doing it. They, they, you know, people are coming. You know, and then... Suddenly, somebody among them said, we need to find out the truth, though. What is really going on here? That we need to really find out what's going on. So what they did was, one Sunday, instead of putting the flash drive, they put a CD. Same message. So they put a CD instead of a flash drive. So when they now sat down, and they, had, and they would notice that people, people would not show up from the beginning. It's when it's almost towards the end. It was just coming. They just sit down. So he now put the CD in there. And, and as they were looking at the welcoming the first time guests, then they used to call first time guests out. They would sit down. We don't do that here. Don't be scared, okay? But they would call them to one corner and they would talk to them. And, get, and they noticed that somebody decided looking into the bag. And somebody said, Excuse me, it's not flash drive, it's CD. 
He said, how did you know what we give people? <laughs> how did you know? So that's how they found out that people were coming because of the flash drive. They will remove the content and go and sell the flash drive. Yeah, that, that was the truth. <laughs> and that is what is going on. And the truth set them free because from then they realized that, okay, we're just burning our money here. <laughs> we had better do something else. So the truth may hurt. That's what I'm saying. But it says free, okay? So let's look into the Bible. Okay, let's get back there. John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. The truth makes free. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Does this sound familiar to you? When you preach to people and they tell you <laughs> that, what do you mean Jesus will make me free? Well, I'm not in bondage. I'm freer than you. Am I, do you think I'm, no, no, I'm not, you know. And they'll tell you that. This is how, you are not the first to say that. This is what they said to, to Jesus. They, this way, they said, no, no, we are Abraham's descendant. We don't, there's no bondage here. Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, look at this, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. This is what we are talking about. This is what we're talking about. So there is only one thing that can, that can rescue you from the grip of sin. There's only one thing. Yeah, and I'm getting to that in a moment here. And a, a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So a relationship with Jesus, who is the truth, is the only thing that can make us truly free. And he's not calling you into a, a life of rules and regulations. Like when people hear uh, uh, becoming a Christian or having a relationship with Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, all they hear is rules, rules and regulation rules. Like, oh I, don't, oh, I don't want rules. Oh, But a relationship that will change you from the inside out, that's what we're talking about, that will change your desires, that will change your perspective to life, and you will begin to live a life on an upward trajectory. Oh, not that all your problems will dis disappear tomorrow when you surrender your heart to Jesus, but you will see your life going upward and forward. Like the Bible says, the path of the righteous is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect day. So, why would anybody go to hell if it's not about rules? I'm trying to answer your questions. Why would anybody go to hell? You say it's not about rules. So, does it mean I can just live my life anyhow I like? Second Thessalonians. Let's let the Bible do the talking, okay? Second Thessalonians chapter number 9. I'm going to read all the way to verse 12 quickly. Just look at the screen with me. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So how are we saved? By receiving the love of the truth. And we have said the truth is who? Is Jesus, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Do you know that God does not send people to hell? Because people ask me this question too. How oh, you say God is loving and is all this? Why is he sending people to hell? God is not sending anybody to hell. Look, in fact, do you know that hell was not made for human beings? No, it was not. Hell was actually made for the devil and his angels, not for human beings. So when people go to hell, the reason why they go to hell is because they chose not to accept the truth. 
that is the only reason why anybody will go to hell. God is not the one who sends anybody to hellfire. All right? So men go to hell because they choose not to believe the truth. So how about all the rules? If, if you mean, so why are we even trying to do anything good then? If it doesn't matter, why are we doing anything good? Now, let me make a bold statement here. And again, you have to stay with me here, okay? Stay with me. Don't let me lose you. Your works is not what determines how, where you spend eternity. Let me say that again. Your works. Huh? Please listen. Oh, this, is, this can be very dangerous. You know, this, we're in a generation of cut and paste. You know, that's what we are. Huh? Where they, won't, they will remove the, the first 30 minutes and they will cut the... So listen to me carefully. All right? Your works is not what determines where you spend eternity. Your eternal destination is not determined by your perfect performance. It's not, you know, you did everything right, so you are going to heaven. No. Where you spend eternity is determined by what you believe. Did you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Period. That is what determines what? Where you spend eternity. Your works, however, determines how you spend eternity. This is very important, please. If, you, if me and you don't agree on this, we will, we will have a big problem <laughs> with a lot of things. So you, and many Christians don't believe this. Believe it or not, legalistic Christians don't believe this. They believe that because the Bible says two shall be walking, one will be taken, one will be left. It means that if the rapture catches you, in, in, as you are just lying like this, the rapture just happens, you just go to a fire. <laughs> and that's what's going to happen. No, 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 no. It says one was left and one was taken because one believed and one did not. So where you spend eternity is based on, I've preached the truth to you this morning. Do you believe it? That is what determines your eternal destination. Look, your behavior. You heard Grandma Cindy's testimony of her dad. Where she could not even determine by his behavior that he was already saved. She couldn't. She had to find a document that showed her, that eventually revealed what he made the, the prayer of Sometimes I tell you about my dad. Like, I'm like, I'm not sure this man, I'm not sure he's really born again. Because <laughs> sometimes you get saved, but it takes time for your mind to be renewed. To catch up with the new state of your spirit. So what if that person that got saved and has not yet, his, his mind is not yet fully renewed, rapture happens. Are you telling me he's going to hell? Come on. So where you spend eternity, and I've talked this in the past, so I'm not going to go too much into it, is determined by what you believe. Did you accept that Jesus is Lord? And did you confess him with your mouth? That is what determines that. But your works, however, determines how you will spend eternity. For the last few minutes I have, that's what I want to talk about. So that you understand that heaven is not a place where we are going to all get to and all of us are going to be equal. Oh, no, 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 no. no. So you are telling me that the fellow who has been serving God for 40 decades, ministering day and night, doing all those things, and another person who got saved, two minutes to the rapture, <laughs> And they both get to heaven. They will be the same in heaven. That's not just. God is just. <laughs> that cannot be just. So that's not God. So let me show you from the scriptures now. We'll see it, all right? So let's talk about salvation first. Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4 from verse 10 to, to verse 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief corner stone. Verse 12, pay attention. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be 
This is the solution. This is salvation. So salvation is only through the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's talk about the reward, okay? Reward is in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I will show you a bunch of scriptures here just to let you understand that this thing is not a game of we all made it, we should all be equal. No, that's not what's going to happen. You will be, you'll be surprised. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I've told you before, one of the major surprises in heaven is who, who you will see there. Oh, you will be wondering, how did you get here? You, you, how? How, how, how now? 1 Corinthians 3, 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the foundation of our faith is who? Jesus Christ. Nor is any, nor if anyone builds, okay, let me read from the screen. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, so let me explain it this way. He's saying that the foundation of our faith, how all of, it's like building a house. The foundation is Jesus Christ. That's how you get in. That is salvation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, he's not talking about the works, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, keep going, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So what is going to happen is that everything a lot of us are doing huh, will be put through the test of fire. Some people's work will disappear, vanish into thin air because the motive behind it was wrong. Some of these people planted churches. I'm telling you the last will be the first. That some people, the motive with what they were doing, what they were doing, it looked massive on the outside. Everybody was looking at it and envying it. But it will go through the test of fire and nothing will come out. Because only gold can come out through fire. And it will come out on the other side even better than it was. So it is what is left after it has gone through the fire that will determine the reward that everybody gets. Say amen to this. Some people don't want to say amen because they are not sure of the work that they have been doing. So what you believe determines where your works determine how God bless you so Jesus also spoke about this in some of his parables let me show you how Jesus explained this uh, and you know that when Jesus spoke parables most of the parables that Jesus spoke were always about the kingdom of God so when he was giving parables he was giving an idea of what the kingdom of God will look like Luke chapter 19 verse 11 let's start here Luke 19 11 now as they heard these things he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So this was what he was saying. Verse 17 now. He says, and he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Look at that. And the second came saying, master, your miner has earned five miners. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. You see, this kingdom that we are talking about is a real kingdom. It will be on this earth, but it will be a new, a new heaven and a new earth. So the, it's a real kingdom, just like the way you know the United States, with a, with a leader, with Jesus will be the one on the throne, and all of those things. This is it's a real thing. For a kingdom to exist, people have to do things. <laughs> so it's not like we are all sitting now in, in heaven and just go, hallelujah, hallelujah. You will be bored. You will still have assignments to do. You will, the angels were created for that. Yeah, we'll join them to do that, but you will have assignments to carry out. You will have things to do. And those responsibilities will be handed out based on the works that you did on the earth and the reward that you are qualified for. Some people will have crowns. People like me, you see us on the streets. Imagine me wearing crown with my, my dapper, fine garment, you know, wearing crown, and I'm strolling on the road, and you are coming, there's no crown on your head. Say, we told you to win souls. What were you doing? What were you doing? 
we told you. We were saying it. We gave you operation on one card. We did everything. Win so, win so. You don't have. Look at your head now. Empty head. No crown. No crown. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. It's a joke. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5, 11 to 12. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when they cancel you, great is your reward in heaven. Rejoice. When they cancel you, when they come and be talking to you, rejoice. Because if you are friends with the world, it says friendship with, with the world is enmity with God. That's what it is. Revelation 22 verse 12, speaking about this reward as we begin to tie it up. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. So this is not salvation now. He's saying the reward is going to be according to his work. So the earth is not the end game. This earth that we are on is not the end game. There is a, there is a life beyond this. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. In closing, John chapter 14. Let me show you how, where he promised us that he has gone to prepare a place for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Verse number three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is only coming back to receive those who believe in him. And, and you might look at the world today and say, but is Jesus actually, actually really coming back? He's coming. <laughs> and I'm telling you, his coming is closer than it has ever been because the signs are more glaring than it has ever been, than it has ever been before. So this morning, the challenge is very simple and the question is simple. Do you truly believe that Jesus is the truth? That is the simple question you need to answer. And this is a personal question you have to answer for yourself. You may even have been going to church for a long time. You may have been going to church since you were a child, you, whatever it is. You may even have been coming to Believer's House for a long time. Have you ever sat, one day that the call was made, have you ever responded to say, today I choose to believe? Because I've just told you that what determines where you spend eternity is did you believe? Did you receive this? And did you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? All right? First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then Hebrews 10, 26 says, If we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Today you have received the knowledge of the truth. This morning, I have, I have spent my, my energy and my passion <laughs> and all of the energy that I have to explain it to you how best I can that the truth is a person, his name is Jesus, and he desires a relationship with you. He desires to know you. He desires for you to know him, for you to have a walk with him. I, I, I don't want to take it for granted that everybody that comes to church is saved. What it means to be saved is, did you believe? Romans chapter 10 verse 9, this is what it means to be saved, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, which is what we are celebrating today. That is how you are saved. That's what it means to be saved. So with every head bowed and all eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity to you this morning as we close. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.